Okay. God is good, amen? All right, and all the time? God is good. You bet. A young boy was riding a bus home from uh, church one Sunday after Sunday school one afternoon, and he was very proud of the card that he was given. And then this card, it was a picture of Jesus, and underneath it, it had a caption. And the caption simply said, have faith in God. Oh, he was so proud. He couldn't wait to get home to show his mom this little card that simply said, have faith in God. As the bus was traveling down the road, the picture flew out the window of the bus. The little boy yelled out, stop, stop the bus. I've lost my faith in God. (laughs) I believe that we all should be more concerned about our faith. On our faith journey and this journey in which we are on with God and with each other, we have to be reminded of our faith and what faith does for us often. It is like going on a journey across the country and you have to stop more than once to fuel. And so faith is that thing in which we are called to look at in our own lives and we should be more concerned about it in our lives. And so on our journey together, we must continually remind each other to keep our faith strong. Because our faith is so valuable to us on this journey together. The question I think that we have to ask ourselves as individuals often is, am I concerned with my faith? Now, if you just say that, it's an easy word to say. It's just easy to say, I have faith in God and go on. And that's what many of us do or find ourselves doing. And so in this, I think it is important that we look at our faith and we ask ourselves, are we concerned with my faith? Are you concerned with your faith level today? Where is your faith level today? If you were to rate it between 1 and 10, when meaning meaning not, not very much, but you have some faith, where is your faith level today? Would you like it to be higher than it is today? You are the only one that controls that in your life. God doesn't force faith on you. God asked you to have faith. And so it's important for us in our lives to evaluate our faith. And so a question becomes, I think, for us once again is, what are you stretching your faith for these days? Is there something in your life right now that is stretching your faith? That you're allowing it to stretch your faith? That you haven't found that comfort zone so much so that you say, I've arrived at the faith level in which I need. But I want to stretch my faith. And why would I want to do that? The scripture tells us in Psalms 37... Trust in the Lord and do good. Of course we know we are to do good. We are to do good because we know what God has done for us. Give me an amen. We do what we do out of gratitude of what Jesus did on the cross. And it says in this translation, dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Cultivate. Our faith must then be cultivated. If not, the season of harvest through the faith in which we plant is passed and missed altogether. And it is for many. 
May we never forget that we are truly in a and on a faith journey, and we are on this faith journey together. And so when we take our faith, our little faith or medium-sized faith or big faith or awesome faith or the ultimate faith, we mix it all together, and with that faith, we move forward on our journey. I need your faith to help me on my journey. I need you to want to stretch your faith to help me on my journey. But my faith is required of me. And it's important to remember that and keep that in mind. People and entire congregations, I should say, are in a spiritual drought today because of the lack of sowing faith in the past. If you are experiencing a drought in your Christian walk, it is most likely connected to the faith that you planted days before. It just happens. You cultivate for things in the future, not things in the past. Anyone that farms can do this. All right, Doug and Stan and Bob and others in this room, they can testify that when they sow their crops, it's for the future. They can't change what the past has taken place, but they plant in order to receive something in the future. So too with our Christian walk. Hebrews 11, everybody knows the verse. We often know verses of the Bible and they can become very um, dangerous for us. Not for God and not for its power. But we often look at verses in which we very well know. John 3.16, for God so loved the world and we can just move through it without absorbing it. And this particular one is also one of those verses in which we can find ourselves just kind of glancing over because, once again, I read that before, and so therefore I must move on. But truly, if you look at Hebrews 11, and not only one, but it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. Then faith requires us to trust what we cannot see. We like to see things. We like to know that it's there. I like that car, that's the one I'm going to. I like that house, that's the one I'm that like that woman and that's the one I'm going to marry. We like to see. And yet God calls us to see beyond what we see in what he knows. And it's important for our lives, of course. And in that a seed produces after its own kind. Everybody's heard that. A seed produces after its own kind. Of course it does. So a seed of nothing can only produce nothing, or as for some of us that are older, as Jethro Bodine used to say, ought plus ought is ought, and it'll always be ought. It means it's nothing. But a single seed of faith can allow us to see something come to pass. Anybody have faith in something that something has come to pass? What do you do with that is the question. What do you do when you see your faith activated and God fulfills that promise that he says he will move in faith? Because you see God is activated in your life only through faith. All throughout scripture you see God's movement when people have faith. 
And when you have faith, God listens, God opens, God moves. Even mountains, he tells us, if we have enough faith. And I have not reached the mountain-moving faith yet. But I would like to sure get there. So it means we all have room for improvement. The thing that you want to see most, uh, most could possibly be just one seed of faith away. Some of you are desiring something in your heart, your, your life, your family, your, you, what, what finances. It can be multiples of things because you're human. We're human. And in that, some of you are desiring it so bad and you're trying everything you can do. But have you activated your faith in it? God gives Christians the ability to activate God. The world cannot activate God because they have no faith in God. But the Christian is called to have faith in God and then all things become possible. So where is your faith today? And I sure hope so is not faith. Boy, I sure hope that happens. Man, I sure hope that takes place. Look what Donna would have missed out on if she would have just said, I sure hope so. She had faith, put it in action, and voila, here I am. Thank you very much. Yeah, lucky me, that's right. I'll take it all day. God wants us to see what our seeds of faith produce. You've got to know that. That God wants us to see what our faith produces. So why is the question, why does God want us to see what our faith produces? God is such a loving God. God is such a God that just says here, and if we just follow here, the game plan, he delivers. If you run the correct route in football and the ball is thrown at the correct, precise place, it's there. You've heard these terms in football. He threw the ball before. He was at the end of his route. Those of you that know football know what that means, don't you? They have confidence that the receiver has run the route perfectly because if he has not ran it perfectly, what happens? Yuck, yo, and you're in trouble. But God is trying to tell us, run your route. Don't worry about the pass. It'll come. But do we believe that? So why would God want us to see our faith and what faith produces? Simple. So that we can give Him glory. Do you know that? It's a cycle in which runs. Watch this. And when we see it, it should give us confidence. When you see a faith thing in your life come to pass that you've connected your faith with, it should bring you great confidence. And with that great confidence, causes you to what? Glory, give glory to God, give praise to God, give me an amen. Now watch, but it gives you confidence to step out in a greater faith. Why? Why? Because you know with God there's always more. And so when that faith is delivered, it gives you more confidence, gives you more praise and glory to God. And the cycle continues as long as we don't break it because God never will. That's the beauty of God. He can't break His promises. We do. 
Because we get what we want in a cycle and we simply say, got that one, all right. I'm just going to go on about what I want to do now. Instead of saying, no, I'm going to the next level. Anybody want to go to the next level? Oh, boy. The height of your accomplishment, whatever it is. We teach this in school a lot, or we should. The height of your accomplishment will be determined by the depth of your commitment. No commitment? Not very high. And your spiritual commitment must be anchored in faith for it to achieve the greatest of heights in your life. It has to be. To be a disciple of Christ means growing in Christ. I'm a disciple of Christ. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. We're not perfect. But we're growing in Christ. We're growing in His love, His mercy, His grace. His understanding of who He is and all those things. But as one grows, it takes one to new territories, new levels. We like to put levels on things. It takes you from one level or one grade to the next grade. We move from a freshman to a sophomore and then, boy, before we know it, we're seniors. But you know, the truth is, many Christians don't want to do that. They don't want new territory. They won't want a new level. And the reason why they don't want to is because they've found a comfort zone in which they really like. Are you there? Are you real comfortable level four? Knowing that five is available, six is on its way, but four is real comfortable. That's what we think sometimes. I promise you it is. If you get comfortable, you won't grow. You just won't grow. If you're a weightlifter and you lift 50 pounds, about what I do, if you lift 50 pounds and you always lift 50 pounds, you'll never get to 55 pounds. You can say, watch me, 50 pounds. Whoopee. Right? So if you get comfortable, you won't grow. If you become too fearful, you won't take the risk to grow. So it locks you into place. The farmer would say something like this, well, last year we had a bad crop, and so this year I'm not going to even plant anything. Would you do that, Bob? Of course not. Doug, would you do that? Of course not. Why? Because you have faith, you have faith that the seed in the ground has a possibility to yield you a harvest. You have faith in that seed. Now, because faith is dependent upon us, not God. God doesn't need faith. God doesn't need faith about anything. He's God. But He allows us a measure of faith. He gives it to us. And now He says, will you activate that faith? Because if you do, it's going to grow. And that growing faith will produce a great harvest for your life. And in this... God knows all things. He sees all things. Look at Colossians and Psalms. You know the scripture. It says, He is before all things, and in Him all things are held together. He holds the, the, the universe. And if He holds the universe, guess who He's holding? Hello, you and me. So He knows all things. David the psalmist puts it well in many of his writings there, but he says, You stretched me. You searched me, Lord, and you know me. 
you know, when I sit, when, you know, when, I, uh, when, I, uh, when I rise in the morning, before word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O oh Lord. God knows all things. God knows what you're thinking right now. Some of you are thinking, hmm, Dallas is playing this afternoon at 2 o'clock, and I think that's pretty good. Some of you are thinking like, well, what are we having for lunch today? You want to go to Applebee's? You want to go to... God knows what you're thinking. But some of you are thinking, wow, this guy is really a good preacher. <laughs> okay, that would be me, but let's go on. Just kidding. Your faith can bring you into the promised land. It can bring you into the promised land that you have always dreamed of. In other words, no faith, no desired results. You can desire something, but without faith connected to it, action put forth, the reward will be missed. But keep in mind that faith, again, must be activated for it to work. The seed and the storage bin. Well, think about this for a moment. Mike used to say his dad would, in the wheat fields, he would, when he would harvest the wheat, he would go up and he would stick his arm down in a big old uh, um, bin or a big old trailer of wheat and he would, he would pull it out from deep within. He would run it through his hands, might sniff it, I don't know, but rub it in his hands, see it. Nope, another time. And he would find one and he'd say, oh yeah, take this one to the bin. We ain't selling this one. This one's going to be our seed. So watch this. The seed in the storage bin might be good seed, but unless it's put in the ground, it will stay inactive. You can take seed, they say, for hundreds and hundreds of years that have been found in containers. It produces nothing. But that same seed can be brought out and put in fertile ground, and before you know it, boop, 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 boop produces something. Who set that into order? God did. I often wonder how much seed do we leave in our pockets? I wonder that. Think about it. One corn, one kernel of corn, this one seed of corn, one, just one little seed. Just think of that one, not all the other stuff, just that one seed. That one seed put in the ground grows one stalk grows three ears of corn. On each one of those ears of corn is anywhere from 500 to 1,000 kernels seed. So take those 3,000 kernels, plant them in the ground. You see how God multiplies? Only God can do that. But you and I have to have the faith to plant the seed. God takes care of the rest. How's your faith? When Peter stepped out of the boat in Matthew chapter 14, you all know the story probably better than I, but let me back it up. Let me tell you the back story of this because I think it's important. The back story of this is Jesus, just before this, Jesus was feeding thousands of people, comforted them and had mercy on them and compassion, the scripture says, on them. Well, just before that, though, however, you've got to back up just a little further. And what you see is there is that John the Baptist, Jesus' first cousin that he grew up with, playing with. Now, think about this. Your first cousin was just beheaded. And all Jesus wanted to do was get to a mountain and spend some time with the Father. 
But he took time to have compassion on all these people and did all the things that he did there. And he, if you will, cleans the table when he gets finished. And then he sends his disciples. All the people go home. The disciples, he says, go across the lake and get to the other side. I'll meet you. I'm going up to talk to the Father. I often wondered about that prayer. I wondered what that prayer may have been like. We read the prayer of Jesus. But I wonder what that prayer was like when he went to that mountain. Father, I'm so thankful that John is finally home. I'm so thankful that John sees what I know is there. I'm thankful for his reward. But Lord, you know, my Aunt Elizabeth and my mom are hurting bad. And I am not even there. Do you think Jesus wanted to be with his aunt and his mom? I pray that you give them the strength. Holy Spirit, I pray that you fill them with your comfort as I continue on this journey that you've put me on, oh Father, give me strength. He comes off that mountain and, and he walks on water. The scripture says he strolls across the water. Now there's a little storm going on and the disciples are trying their best to kind of steer the boat and get it across the lake. Jesus could have just jumped to the other side and says, Hey guys, what took you so long? But he didn't. I don't know. You ever feel bath water? Your feet hurt so bad you feel bath water about that deep and you just put your feet in there and said, Oh, that feels so good. Anybody? Dip them in the pool. Feels good, doesn't it? I think Jesus may have been strolling across just to get a, a water massage on his way to the other side. I don't know. But it says that he was going across. They see him and they're just scared to death. It must be a ghost. And here's the part. Take courage, Jesus said, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down on the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. So much to, to just, just to ingest there. When, when Jesus told him to come, Peter had to have faith that it was God. He had to have faith. He said, Lord, if it is you, let me come. Come. He had to have faith that it was God that he was going to. If he still had the inkling that it was a ghost, he would have never got out of that boat. But yet he got out of the boat and he walked. And we know the rest of the story and we say, oh yeah, he lost his faith and all those things. I didn't see any of the other disciples get out of the boat. Did you? When's the last time you got out of the boat? Notice Peter said to him these words, though, come, come. Said, let me come to you. And I want you to know this. Jesus won't force you out of your boat. Jesus won't force you out of your boat, but he will ask you to step out in faith. And somebody needs to hear that today because something that you're going through, you're still in that boat. And you know God is calling you to do whatever. God is calling you to give your life to him. Surrender to him once and for all. This is it. Something that you need to give up and lay down at the foot of the cross. Something that you've been dealing with. Maybe it's an addiction of any sorts and all kinds. And you know God is calling you, but you're too comfortable in that boat. 
In other words, Jesus is saying, if you want to grow spiritually, you have to trust me. Here's the deal. When you get out of the boat, remarkable things can happen. Did you know that? Really? Yeah. Well, it didn't happen for Peter. He sunk. He, didn't, he wasn't lost. Remarkable things when you get, happen when you get out of the boat. You want to know why? When God calls you, you want to know why? It's very simple. It is because Jesus is with you. I would rather be in the water than I know I can't walk in and of myself as to be in a boat in a storm with a bunch of non-believers. How about you? Huh? I want to be where you are, we sing. Do you? Because somebody's hearing him say, come today. And you're saying, no, I kind of like it right here. Some know. And they simply say, no, I'm a little uncomfortable. I kind of like it where I'm at. Well, all I can tell you then is if you want to move forward in your spiritual life, you have to take a step of faith. Spiritual growth cannot happen in your life unless you activate your faith. It cannot happen, period. Now, the boat normally has comfort. Larry Hurst would take Don and I a couple of times, scared her to death, me too, but across the, the lake, I don't know, maybe a half a mile or so, going 80 to nothing, and I don't know where the speed cop was out there, but he was breaking the speed limit. He's busting across through there. So when we finally slow down enough, I'm pretty comfortable. I can't swim. I can swim, but I can't swim that far. So I'm pretty comfortable in the boat. I'm pretty secure in the boat. I have a peace of mind when I'm in that boat, if I'm driving. But nonetheless, but only to a degree. Only to a degree. Why do I say that? The boat is at the mercy of the wind. This is the problem the disciples said. The boat is at the mercy of the wind, which determines the ways which can destroy the boat which you are in. As long as the boat is this way, we're all good, aren't we? Huh? I like that, don't you? It's when it gets real choppy, starts swaying you from side to side. Some of you that have been on cruises have described to me, I'm not going, but um, some of you have described in those bad storms in which it... Johnson's, I think you just got back from one. I hope you had good weather. Thank God he got you back on dry ground. But sometimes that's when things change in our lives. Sometimes God sends the wind on purpose. Did you know that? God may be just sending the wind just to kind of give you a little push. A little water over the side. Kind of scares you a little bit. God's saying, you're going to trust me? How are you going to trust me? Are you going to trust me? The church, individuals can have its own comfort zone, feelings of security. However, the Spirit of God is like that mighty rushing wind, John 3, 8. That mighty rushing wind determines the ways which in return can sink the boat that we are in if we not trust God on our journey together. It's a trust factor. Remember this one I've told you, and I don't know who wrote it first, but walking on water is not about impressing people. It's about coming to Jesus. 
and I'd love to become a water walker or a better one. Oh, I've gotten in a few times, and, and I've walked a little bit, just like Peter. And boy, I've sunk a few times too, but God is still with me. And he pulls me up by the collar and says, Oh, Harley, you have little faith. Kicks me back in the boat. So let's get to the other side. Maybe next time you'll walk a little further. And some of you have been there, haven't you? You know what that's like. God's not going to let you sink. God's not going to let you die. God's going to lift you up, even with your little faith. God is still God, and he holds true to his promise. Have you made a decision to come to Jesus? No, this is not the end of the message. But have you made a decision to come to Jesus? Oh, I did that a long time ago at camp. I remember that back then. I don't really remember what year it was, but I remember that. Well, have you made a decision to be a water walker lately? When is the last time that he has asked you to step out in faith in something in your life? Is he asking you that today? When is the last time that he has asked you to step out of the faith, out in faith in something in your life? The question will always be, did you, have you, will you? Because you know the answer, don't you? But remember also, God knows your answer before you even said it. Once again, faith is the catalyst to our spiritual growth. Without it, one cannot grow spiritually. Now, I believe that one of our greatest, if not the greatest spiritual offering that we bring before God is our faith. Someone's going to debate that one. And they're going to debate it with Scripture, which is true. But I'm going to say it again so you don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I believe one of our greatest, if not our greatest spiritual offering that we bring before God is our faith. Some would say, no, 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 Harley, it's worship and praise. It's got to be worship and praise to God. That's our greatest offering. And others would argue, no, 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 no. They declare, it's got to be obedience because that's better than sacrifice. Well, let me tell you both that you're both right. But without faith in God, who are you obeying and who are you praising? Let's look at this guy named Abel for just a couple more minutes. Just about four more minutes. Give me that. Remember Abel. Cain killed Abel. We know in the beginning. Notice what it says in verse number four. It says, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. Do you know what the difference between Cain's offering and Abel's offering is? One brought it in faith. He declares here what Abel had done. The writer here tells us, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. I will tell you, if I was teaching a Bible class on this, you know, if you've been in one of my Bible classes... I am really hammering those few verses, or that verse. I want to just rip it apart, apply it to our lives, but this is what it says briefly. Two things to me. God speaks well of our offerings. God speaks well of our offerings. He does. 
He did for Abel. God speaks well of our offerings when it's brought to Him in faith. When you bring an offering to God, do you bring it in faith? Do you just do it? Remember, you give in three ways. Time, energy, money. Do you just give your time? Oh, it's the church thing and I got to go do it. Do you bring it energy? It's that energy that I got to take. I got to get off the couch. I got to input. So I got to do something else. I got to study a little more because they're asking me to help with the two and three-year-olds. Just put a straight jacket on and go for it. <laughs> but, and then money. Do you just give so you can just check it off? That's what some people do even with communion. I checked it off. I'm good to go. If God comes this week, I'm in. Think about it. Do you bring those things to God with faith, in faith? When you make your offering of any of those, do you bring it in faith? Faith connected to what? What is it that you're needing? What is it that you're going through? What is it that your family's going through? If nothing else, bring it in faith. God, I give this offering on behalf of a, a body that's going through this leukemia. I give this and I have faith, all faith in you, God, that you can raise her up. You can heal her. You can set her free of that cancer because you are God and I have faith. And I claim that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Offering in faith, not just write the check, put it in. Don't miss the blessing in your offering. It's not the amount, it's the faith that's connected to it. Look it up in Scripture over and over and over and over again. Because what is God after? Your money? No. God is after your heart. A heart full of faith. Giving a little offering. Two pennies. Greater faith is nowhere to be found. Jesus said. The second one I see in this, and I love this. And this is true. And the reason why I know it's true is because people still speak to me even though they're gone. Your faith in God can be seen by others long after you are gone. I will tell you, I see my mom's faith daily. You can't convince me otherwise. What I desire is people to see when I'm gone is that he stood in faith in God. Not that he preached, not that he did all these things, not all that. But he was a man that had faith in God. God sees the offerings that we bring to him. Your faith should always bring with a hope, a hope. It should bring that hope again. And something with confidence in the one that receives what you bring, which is God. Because remember, your offering isn't to me. Your, your, your offering isn't to me or a, a group of elders or a, a church. Your offering is to God. When you work, work it with all your heart like you're working for the Lord. Heart. Your faith should always bring with it that. It may take time to see the results of your faith. And this is the struggle that many people have with their faith. Watch this. But it's important. It may take time to see the results of your faith, and most times it does. 
But in regards to that, it's also, I think, many times it's delayed, if you will, or it doesn't seem to come fast enough. It's to find out whether or not it's true that you have faith. Pray about it once, pray about it twice, pray about it three times, just forget about praying about it. What prayer have you been praying for the last 15 years to come to pass? Oh, I, I don't remember. I could tell you, Don and I know what our prayer is, and then we've been praying it for longer than 15 years, and we're not going to stop praying, and we're not going to stop having the faith that God can deliver that. I got to end with this. Watch this. I found this in the message translation, and some don't like the message translation. That's fine. Read it out of the King James if you like. Galatians chapter 6, here it goes. My eyes are playing tricks on me, so bear with me. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. Christians become fatigued. Listen to me. Christians become fatigued when they're relying on themselves more than they're relying on God. Because nowhere in Scripture did not my God sit down and say, Phew, I'm wore out. That's a good sign if you're in fatigue, you're relying on your strength more than you're relying on God's strength. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop. That's what you want, Doug, when you plant a crop. Stan, you want a crop. You, 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 put in that stuff. you want a good crop. Don't you want a good crop? What do you want, 10%? Well, Lord, I'd just be happy if you gave me 10 bushels per acre. That'd be just fine. Man, I want 100 why? Because my God is a God that can produce a hundred. Not me, because I just put the seed in the ground. That's all I can do. But I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go for the highest of high. And whatever you bring, God, because see, if you just say, give me 10%, <laughs> God's saying, boy, you really think about a lot about me, don't you? So think high, because God is God, and he's your father, and he loves you because you are his child. Now watch this. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. In the house of the Lord, one translation says. But the community of faith, I just love that. That's why I pulled it in. That's what we should be. And what is what the world should see in all of us as Christians. Red, yellow, black, and white, we are precious in His sights with all our differences and all our differences and all our differences. The world should see in us a community of faith. Not in what you might think, but in faith that God is able to deliver more than enough. The challenge as Zach said in class, the challenge. I like that. I like challenges. If faith does help you grow spiritually, and it does, and if faith pleases God, and it does, and if you want to grow spiritually and please God, and I'm sure that you do, then you must activate your faith to grow in Him and please Him. Is God calling you to trust Him? 
and doing a little bit more in a certain area. And the only way that you're going to be able to accomplish that little bit more is to activate your faith. So the challenge is for you and for me, for all of us, is from actually from God. It's not from a minister. It's from God. He's saying, activate your faith and see what I can do. So my challenge, again, his, is that activate your faith this week. If you want to start small, test the water, God's okay with that. But some of you have already tested the water and you know it's perfect. You've already walked a little way from the boat, but you got really back real quick because you just didn't know how deep it was out there. Or you saw Shark Week on TV and you got nervous. The winds and the waves obey him. What he asked us is to step out in our faith to prove to us that he is God and he delivers what he promises. And when we receive, he asks us to give him glory and praise. And then with that confidence, we step a little further and a little further. So maybe today, you'd like to step out in faith and just receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's just simple. It's simple to say, you know, I am lost and I, do, I now believe in this Jesus died for me and I want to put my faith and trust in Him and Him alone. And then come. Receive that gift of eternal life. Experience the new birth that not only washes away your sins, but fills you with the Spirit of God. In God's Spirit, in me, has all the faith I need to take this journey in which God has put me on. Or maybe today, you got out a little ways, you've, you've come back. You got out a little further and you come back, but lately you haven't gone out too far. In fact, you're just kind of fishing in the boat. But maybe today, something... The Spirit has caused you to say, you know what? It's time for me to step out in faith. We're here for you. Water's warm for baptism. God is open for a repentant heart. And God is a forgiving God. Amen? Amen. We stand ready at this moment to assist you in any way. So if you'll just come, as together we stand and sing. We'll take it in.